Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to discuss, understand, maybe even sometimes challenge Latter-day Saint culture. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, ideas, and thoughts that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests. Do not in any way reflect the official doctrines or stances of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and welcome to this week's conversation. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. I am your host, Ken Williams, and I have with me not your second favorite co-host, which would be Annette, my sister. We had to get her name in there, so she's the most often referenced person on the podcast. But I have Allison and a new person. She's not a new person. She's just (laughs) new to the podcast. She's gotten a shout out before. This is my sister-in-law, Cindy. Hey, Cindy. How's it going? Welcome. Welcome to Indiana, where we are um, not quite as, we're, we're more humid than Very. you are in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. And I have my favorite daughter, <laughs> Allison. We had to get her in here so that we could have um, correction. We should just have a new segment called Correction. I like that idea. Corner or something like that. We need to get CJ on so that you guys can just yes. beat up on me. So Cindy and I were talking the other day and the word boundaries came up and her eyes lit up like, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It was just, it was lightning like, ma- like, like lightning bugs. <laughs> That's because boundaries have changed my life. <laughs> so uh, talk to us about boundaries. What, what do you mean by boundaries? Um, well, that's a good question because that's the first thing that we should discuss is what are boundaries. Um, boundaries are not about controlling anybody else. Boundaries are only about protecting ourselves. Um, and I've heard a couple of definitions from some therapists. Some say it's only about protecting yourself. Um, there is one therapist I've heard, um, Tiffany Rowe in Utah. She says, um, she changes a little bit. And I think that's important for women, especially because sometimes we, feel uncomfortable in situations. And so she says boundaries sometimes are to help you feel comfortable in a situation. Okay. Not so necessarily. More, more so than just protecting, but right. a level of comfort. Right. And okay. she says it that way, um, just so we feel more comfortable placing those boundaries. Um, and uh, boundaries were a new concept for me because I um, am a recovering pleaser. Oh, well, I like that. I like that phrase. <laughs> um, so, well, what do you mean by yeah. that? What is that? What do you mean by pleaser? I, I couldn't say no. So, if somebody asked me to do something, I'd be like, oh, "Of course." So, I was always overworked and overstressed and over everything because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I thought it was okay. my job to not disappoint anybody else in my life. And so, it so, wasn't necessarily because you wanted to do everything. It was because you felt some level of guilt or, or uh, responsibility or expectation. Exactly. And so, I had no boundaries. Okay. I was a pleaser and I thought that that was... So, I say I'm a recovering pleaser because I'm not still not perfect at it, but I'm trying not to just automatically say yes. I'm trying to, you know, respect myself also and my family. Okay. Now, I'm starting to second think, second uh, guess my decision to come over here and, and help you make gravy for dinner tonight, but... I'll work on myself, I guess. <laughs> I appreciate you coming over and teaching me how to make gravy. <laughs> so that's, by the way, um, 
in the family, and by the family I mean my in-laws, the uh, expectation, I don't, I don't know if expectation is the right word, it's just the assignment that uh, whenever we have, whenever we're together for dinner, if I'm going to be there, then I'm the gravy guy. It has been this way for decades, really, that, oh, we're having turkey, so uh, we need Ken to make the gravy, or we're having roast, we need Ken to make the gravy. And there are other people who can do gravy just perfectly fine, but I'm the guy, I'm the gravy guy. Maybe I should work on my balance. Everybody has a role. That's true. <laughs> Apparently, my role is also salsa and and yes, but that's okay. We'll get into that. Uh, we may talk about cilantro at some point. So, <laughs> so uh, what what made you decide, or what made you recognize that that boundaries were uh, an issue for you? Um, I'm trying to think of when it was. Um, I don't know exactly when it was, but I have some experiences in when I was working in the youth program where um, I had a leader that I worked with. She was the young woman's leader, and she would always tell the girls, if you'd like to, if you want to, if not, then say no, that's fine. And she was very open about making sure the girls knew that it was okay to say no. And that was a new experience for me because growing up in the church, mm -hmm. the church culture is very much... If the bishop asks you to give a talk, you say yes. Or right. if you're asked to do a calling, you have to say yes. Or whatever. If you're asked to do service, you have to say, say yes. That's the culture I grew up in, and I'm yeah. hoping that that is changing. Well, yeah, and and we talked last week with Annette, and there's another shout-out for you, Annette. Um, <laughs> she likes to think that she's the most often referenced person, and so we're going to make that happen. But we talked about the the distinction of, of culture and doctrine, and a lot of that is— uh, very much a part of the culture, I think that uh, you never you never say no to a calling, and and uh, so yeah. So talk more about that. So um, I watched a uh, this young woman's leader start doing that more often, and so I talked to her about it, and she just was adamant that that's what we do in our youth program: is we give them choices, always, always give them choices. They can always say no if they don't want to sing with the group that the whole group that's singing on Sunday. They don't have to sing. Um, or whatever it was that she was just adamant about that. And I really felt empowered by that. Um, and so I ended up going to a little, um, therapy group women's session with her and some other ladies. And that's where I learned the most about boundaries. Um, and it was just a group in our ward, a group of ladies that got together. And that's where I learned about boundaries and how to set them and how to set them in a relationship, which was hmm. really scary at first. I don't know right. why, but it was really scary. Well, as a pleaser, then I, that would make sense that if, you're you're starting to to make some rules for yourself, which may be interpreted as rules for the other person. Yes, and so the other person felt threatened when I started okay. doing that because other people were like, "What? You always say yes." So they thought threatened, like that's not okay. Yeah. How you can't say no to me. Um, and then I felt bad that they were disappointed. But this group, this therapy group I was in, um, really discussed about how, like, say Allison, if I told you no and you were upset with me. They taught me that I have to let you have your feelings. Like, don't take those from you. Those are yours. Mm -hmm. So let Allison have those feelings yeah. herself. And that was really helpful for me to see it that way. So she can be upset, but that has nothing to do with you. Right. Okay. Right. And let her have her feelings. Those are hers. So mm -hmm. I need to stop trying to take them. That's what I was doing. I was always trying to take other people's feelings. If they were upset, that was my job, my responsibility to fix it, fix it, fix it. And... So they really taught me to give that space and let her have hers. And to see it as selfish 
for me is what helped me, you know, cause I'm trying to steal your feelings and that's not okay. So, so, um, as, and, and we have not had this conversation before, so I'm learning stuff, which is kind of fun for me. Um, as you look back at how you, your interaction with people before you understood, uh, setting boundaries and expectations and things like that. And now where you're, you've, um, been able to let people have their feelings and, and you're not taking that on. Are you feeling any difference in the, um, the stress or, or the, the weight of relationships? Um, because you've, you've made some clear distinctions on here's what's acceptable. Here's not, here's what's not acceptable. I'm going to take ownership for this. I'm not going to take ownership for that. Absolutely. And I remember when I was first starting this journey, one of my friends that was in this group told me, people aren't going to think you're as kind, but they're going to respect you more. Um, and so then I started seeing that. I remember um, one instance where I was young women's president and I was newly young, young women's president. Like I just been called like that week. Um, and I happened to know a situation going on with this temple trip that was coming up. Um, and knowing that young men's president was wanting to change the time for some personal reasons that wasn't best for all the youth or something. And I remember he came up to me in the foyer and he said, Hey, sister Schofield just wanted to, um, let you know that we're, we, we thought it was best if we did this temple trip at this time, it's best for everybody. And so I just looked at him and this was scary for me, but I just looked at him and I said, I think you're trying to manipulate me. So I'm going to get some more information before I answer that question. I'll talk to you about this later. Wow. And I walked away and that was super hard. Wow. And uh, he and Chris was sitting there and he turned to Chris and he goes, uh, Chris is my husband. He turned to Chris and he goes, tell your wife I'm not scared of her. <laughs> and Chris goes, you probably might want to be. <laughs> So Chris knows so, how much he should be scared of you. Well, he he and I have both learned about boundaries. And so it's been good. It's helped our relationship. It's probably saved our marriage, if we're honest. Okay. We were struggling for a while. And that learning about these boundaries and how to use them in a relationship has been huge for us. And I would right. say it's probably saved our marriage. Well, I think that if you're a pleaser and you decide to accept somebody else's feelings, uh, or take ownership, take mm -hmm. responsibility for those. Mm -hmm. if, if he's upset or frustrated or um, whatever you want to choose as an emotion, you you then decide that you own that. And and his happiness or his comfort or whatever becomes your responsibility. And that's just right. not, that's not how it's, uh, a good relationship it can't be based on that. Right. And when you think about, I had a spouse, I had five kids, I had how many friends, you know, I had, I was on the PTO, I was a new woman. So all those people, I was taking on ownership for all of those feelings. And that was overwhelming. So this was very yeah. liberating very liberating to learn um, about boundaries. I also remember a high council member coming up to me and saying, I need you to sign this form for um, your son to be in scouts. Now, my son was very adamant he was not going to be in scouts. He was not going to do it. <laughs> and we had decided, okay, he does all the other things. We're not going to make him do scouts. That's fine. And so the high council member said, you have to sign this. And I looked at the form and I said, okay, but on this form, it says that I'm committing to bring him to all the things that I'm committing to have him be in the scouts. That's what I'm signing. He's like, no, 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 you have to sign it. 
I said, I'm not going to sign it. You're t- I'm looking at this form and that's not what you're saying. It says I have mm-hmm. to, and he's choosing not to do it. And we're supporting him in that. Right. I said, we're supporting him in that boundary and we're okay with that. We feel like he can still be a good human being and not be an Eagle Scout. And right. we're okay with that. And this was back when the Scouts was a yeah. church. And he said, um, you have to. The stake president said, everybody has to. He said, I have to get everybody's signature. I said, I'm not signing it. He goes, I'm going to tell the stake president on you. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm right here. And he stormed he off. He was out. really upset with me that I set a boundary. It mm-hmm. wasn't even, like, I wasn't mean to him. I just said, I'm not going to sign that. Yeah. And uh, so people get really offended sometimes with these boundaries. However, I've worked with him a lot since then. And we've, we have an awesome relationship. He respects me. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, no problems at all. So I think maybe just the first time you set a boundary with certain people, especially after you've been a pleaser. Is okay, yeah, I can, I can see how that would uh, be uncomfortable. But then you want to do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Allison, um, what experience have you had with boundaries? Probably none, because you live with your grandparents, and a mile and a half from your parents, who are, by the way, in a different state. Thank goodness for everybody Fine. involved. <laughs> you know how long it took me to uh, convince them and change that boundary? <laughs> so that was you. <laughs> that was me. Nice. So, and I know you've had a lot of, you've had some good conversations with Cindy and, and uh, you've talked about boundaries and, and different things that, uh, so what, what experience have you had? Has it has a, a positive or negative uh, effect on your life, on your relationships or et cetera? And and while I'm not talking, this is your opportunity to, to say anything you want. I'll just cut your microphone if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I can't think of anything specific. Well, that's not very helpful. I know. I wasn't prepared like Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy has pages of notes. We've gotten through the first. Two more stories. Oh, two more stories. Okay, well, that's a good thing. Um... I don't know. Just talking about it with Cindy has helped a lot with, like, I don't know, my mindset and how I think about things. Because I've always been a pleaser, too. I always mm-hmm. feel like I'm responsible for making out everyone else feel comfortable, even if it means I'm uncomfortable or right. I'm doing something I don't want to. Because it protects other people from yes. their discomfort. Why are we like this? I don't know. <laughs> but it's really hard to do that. I feel it's like, like more women are this way than men too. Maybe, yeah. But yeah. I think I think because I'm a pleaser as well, or I have been a pleaser, and um, I see this in my, I see it in my calling. I see it at work where something comes up, and I'll decide that it's my it's my responsibility to to make sure it gets taken care of, or to make sure I I find myself a lot of times filtering what I say and how I say it because of how I expect the other person to, to receive it. Um, but at the same time, there are, uh, I could tell you about my, about last week, it was a rough week and I could probably work some, do some boundary work on that, but this is not about me right now. <laughs> so, um, have, at what point do you think you really started? Cause I, I see a lot of that with you, Allison, where y- you are setting boundaries, especially with people that you interact with, whether, whether it's friends, family, ward members, and things like that. Uh, what are some things that you've done to 
identify and set boundaries. And and by the way, I know Cindy and I have talked about this that you don't necessarily have to announce to people what your boundaries are. Right. Um, I guess that's a good point because I think maybe I've just started with setting boundaries with myself. Um, I think part of it is I expect so much of myself. And if I get too overwhelmed thinking I have too many things I need to do, mm-hmm. then I don't do anything. And yeah, then I'm stressing about not doing anything, but I'm so overwhelmed I can't do anything. But I've started to realize that it's okay to take a break sometimes. Okay. Take a day to like relax and not do anything, even though I didn't get my whole list of things done that I need to, because that list never ends. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately. So you can um, set boundaries with yourself. I like it. Yeah. I think that's where I kind of started. And I don't know that it was like a conscious decision, but it's probably just the more we talk about it, the more mm-hmm. I see things or realize the way I see things. Mm-hmm. Um. But um, I don't know. It's it's really hard, though. And sometimes I just have to sit down and think about the way I've looked at things throughout the day mm-hmm. and realize, like, it's okay that I was upset about this situation. Like, right. I'm allowed to be mad or sad or... Um, there was maybe last year, there was a situation that happened and I just texted Cindy and I was like, I'm sad. (laughs) And I'm just sitting here on the floor being sad and it's really hard, but I know I need to let myself feel this. Mm -hmm. And there's there's nothing anyone can do and there's nothing I can do, but just let myself be sad. Mm -hmm. And then I have to get up and continue. But... It made a huge difference when I allowed myself to feel the way I felt. Yeah. Instead of trying to avoid it. And reaching out is huge too. As long mm-hmm. as you can find a safe person to reach out to. That's, yeah. yeah. That's really hard too because I think really hard. even like, I don't know, a few months before that happened, I don't know that I could have mm-hmm. told someone. Mm-hmm. Just, just put it out there that I'm sad. Yeah. But it's important to reach out to somebody that's not a fixer. Right. Because a fixer is mm-hmm. going to try to fix you, and that's not helpful. So. Yeah, I think you just said, that's hard, and mm-hmm. you just kind of talked to me about the situation, but you didn't try and say, well, it'll work out in the end. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I think we talked about this before, like, I know it'll work out in the end, but mm-hmm. that's not helpful in the moment to mm-hmm. say, right. it'll be fine, it's fine. Yeah, I think Brene Brown says to say... I think Brene Brown says to say that feeling over and over. I think she uses that in one of her books where she talks about saying, this is painful. This is painful. This is painful. <laughs> like just, just to acknowledge the, right. the feeling. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so let's take it to a church context and boundaries. You mentioned earlier about um, youth being asked to speak or participate in, in scouts or music mm-hmm. events or things like that. Um. So I don't know. I'm thinking maybe two different things. How do you how do you shift for yourself the idea that um, you don't say no to a calling, 
or you don't ask to be released or that sort of thing to uh, having a, a, a boundary that is healthy and right and, um, yeah, healthy and right. Well, I think it goes back to what Allison is saying. And first, you have to recognize your feelings, okay. which is the number one step for most people because it's not something a lot of us are comfortable doing. Um, and so recognizing that you have feelings and that feelings are okay and that, you know, we're not robots. So, yes, we all have feelings. Um, and I actually have that on the door of my classroom. It says, sometimes I feel and all these different feelings because we're not robots. Mm. Um, and so that's the first step. And then the next step is really hard. Um, it's asking yourself, what do I need? Mm. And how many times do we... We don't really ask ourselves very often, what do I need right now? And so that's something that this group um, of women and this therapist really taught all of us about is asking ourselves, what do I need? So is that different than what do I want? Yes. Okay. What do I need? What do I need? Um, especially if you're in an uncomfortable feeling. Okay. Um, and I have heard from a couple therapists that what you need to get out of an uncomfortable feeling or an uncomfortable situation um, never involves technology. Okay. So that was interesting to me. I, I have not heard that from every therapist, but that is one from one I've heard. Mm -hmm. And that's been helpful for me to use with my kids um, because I don't necessarily want them turning to technology for comfort, if that makes that's sense. That's just a, 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 is kind of a buffer. Right. And so I'd rather that that's not what they use. Right. Um, I'd rather not use technology rather than not use drugs or alcohol, right. you know, <laughs> I'd rather than use other things instead of. Um, so, um, you know, and so that's something that um, I shared, I think, with you just last week about instead of um, just knowing your triggers for when you're angry, um, know your triggers to that change you to happy. Oh, yeah. okay. That was and a so good thing to think mm -hmm. about. Um, and so if you know those triggers, that can help you to get out of whatever funk you're in um, to help trigger some of those happy things. And it's different for everybody. Lexi, right. my daughter, she uses smells. She loves candles. Those don't work for me at all. <laughs> and so, But that's okay because we just ha have different triggers for our happy. So go back for a second when you said what, what you need. Identify what you need. Um, give some examples of that or talk a little bit more about what you mean by that. Because I think a lot of times we think about, you know, somebody asked me to give a talk in church and that just is really... Uh, uncomfortable because I am going to be in front of people and I have to prepare some thoughts and I'm not sure that I want to do that. So what I want is to not have that experience. Right. Um, what would be an example of what you need in a situation? Well, that's like a that? good that's a good question because um, my daughter Ashlyn has never given a talk in second reading. Um, she has some extreme anxiety. Um, when she was little, if somebody said hi to her that she didn't know, mm -hmm. she broke down crying. I'm not kidding. Just instant tears. Um, just all they did was say hi. All they said was hi, Ashlyn. She just starts sobbing just because that attention was on her. So giving a talk in sacrament is hard. Um, and we actually had this talk just recently about how um, she's like, what if they ask me to talk? I'm like, well, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. What? And so think about it. Maybe what you need is extra time to prepare. Maybe what you need okay. is for your mom to speak with you. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. but if you can think about what you need to help you through that situation, um, if you feel like that that is something that help you grow. And so right. we talked about if you feel like that's not something that's going to help you grow, then okay, if that's not mm -hmm. something you feel like you can do right now, you feel like if that would put you into a spiral, a depression spiral, and be then maybe it's not mm -hmm. time right now. Um, okay. With her, you really have to, um, with each person, know 
kind of that person. Like with Ashlyn, I remember her saying she was going to girls camp. And then the night before girls camp, I'm not kidding. She was sobbing. I was holding her in my arms. She's like, I don't know, 13 or 14 sobbing the night before girls camp uncontrollable sobbing. I can't go. I can't go. I can't go. I'm like, I'm not making you go. Mm -hmm. This is your choice. And she's just sobbing and sobbing. I'm like, how about we do this? How about we decide tonight that we're not going to decide? How about in the morning you can decide? Mm -hmm. Um, And because we know with her, things are always worse at night. So if you know yourself, um, I don't know if that's everybody, but with her, everything's worse at night. So with her, I was like, how about tonight we just decide not to decide? Mm-hmm. And I'm totally supportive if you decide not to go. And she didn't want to let down friends that were going. And she right. didn't let down, you know. And so we just decided, let's just not decide. And in the morning, she felt brave. And she's like, I'm going to go. She goes, but what I need is you to come if I call you. Okay. And so uh, that was our agreement. Okay. Yeah. If you call me, I'll come get you. No questions. Right. And so that was our agreement. But that brings me to a really cool story mm-hmm. about boundaries at a youth camp okay and this really really um shows how respecting other people's boundaries in the church as leaders is so important and so empowering so the kids went to a youth camp it was boys and girls and this was one of the ones that um the girls wanted to go, but they had to leave early or something I can't remember the details I just remember they're going for half of it and I was picking them up early. And um, Jarrett was nervous about going. This is first youth camp. He had just turned 12. Um, and he has some OCD. Okay? okay. So I don't know if you've noticed, but he washes his hands a lot. Even today when he was out weeding with us in the garden, um, it was really hard for him. He had to wear the gloves. He could not touch a single weed without having those gloves on because he's really worried about dirt on his hands. And he ran inside to wash his hands probably 10 times during that hour because he, he doesn't like anything on his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, usually his hands are super chapped because he washes them so often. So he was really nervous about camping with people that might not understand all of his OCD things. There's a few. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he's at this youth camp and they have this obstacle course going on. Um, And in this obstacle course, um, part of it they had to run through and then get hit by like these paintball things. I don't know exactly what they were, chalk things. Okay. um, and Jarrett asked to not be hit with those. He said, I would like to not participate in this. Um, and another leader said, sure, you do. Yeah, you do. And he hit him with some. Mm. And Jarrett was really upset. And he came to me and he knew that I was taking the girls home. He's like, I have to leave. I can't do this. I said no. And they, a leader did it. Mm-hmm. He goes, I understand if a kid do it, but do, did it. He goes, I get that. He goes, but a leader did that. That's not safe for me. That's what he told me. Right. So I was like, okay, I, I agree that I support you in that. And so we brought him home. And um, I told the leader later when he asked me why. And he apologized to him. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't underst- He just didn't understand respecting boundaries. Right. Um, and that's something that a lot of leaders don't get because they're like, oh, it'll be fun. It'll be great. You can do it. You know, they don't understand that respecting boundaries. So then Jared tells me on the way home, he tells me about um, the obstacle course where they're climbing like a... I don't know, like a rock wall thing, and then, um, and then back down over it. Okay, so they're trying to do it as a team thing, and there were some kids um, that were doing it, and the leader. Oh, there was a kid that said, "I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. I won't do it." 
And the leader said, that's okay. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. Would it help if we, like, if somebody was behind you and in front of you? He's like, no, I'm not doing it. He goes, okay, that's fine. You don't have to. But would it help, like, would you do it if we did this? He's like, no, I'm not doing it. And the leader said, that's totally fine. You don't have to. How about you cheer the other kids on? Mm -hmm. And um, so he's like, okay, I'll cheer them on. So he cheered them on and the leader totally respected this kid's boundaries. Unlike what happened with Jared. (laughs) It was a different leader. And um, he respected that kid's boundary. And then when all the kids had gone over, that kid that didn't go, he goes, actually, can I try it? And then he did it and was on his own because he chose to do it on his own terms, on his own. He was like liberated to know and empowered to know that nobody was making him do this. Yeah. And then he did it. And then it was so exciting for all of them. It was exciting for the kid. There was no resentment by the kid Mm -hmm. because he chose to do it. And so to see those two different scenarios where boundaries were, what's the right word? When they were respected? Respected and when boundaries weren't. The the two different scenarios to see them when they're the two different ways was huge. And to see the outcome of those two different kids um, was really eye-opening to me to see how important it is to respect other people's boundaries and to start teaching that in our Mm -hmm. culture that even if they're a kid, especially Mm -hmm. if there's a leader, that that should be even more so that boundary respected. It makes a huge difference to have boundaries respected and it made me think of um i talk about this all the time because it's so huge for me but i had a fear of needles for my whole Mm -hmm. life yeah um and of course i wanted to go into the medical field because i don't know i hate myself (laughs) and you like science (laughs) i like science but um, Which, by the way, she's wearing a T-shirt today that says, "You don't get to be offended by science." Yes, one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but one thing that you have to do in most medical um, jobs is you have to have a physical, and you have to get TB tests and shots and all sorts of stuff. And I um, accepted this job at a lab. And they told me I had to get a physical, and um, I had to get the flu shot, and I don't even know what else. I had to get a blood draw to make sure I had had chicken pox and um, other vaccines and stuff. So I was really nervous about it, and Justin was, he was trying to be supportive. He told me, like, if you don't want to, you don't have to, but I'll come with you if that's what you need. And I don't know that Mm -hmm. he realized that's what he was doing, Mm -hmm. but it was really helpful. So he came with me and we got there and he told me later, he's like, you were literally shaking. Like you could not hold the clipboard still. And I was supposed to fill out these forms and like sign papers saying that I was um, like consenting to get these vaccines and stuff done. And I couldn't sign it. I was like, "I, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, let's just talk to them. Mm-hmm. So the nurse came out and she tried to take me back and I was like, I can't go without Justin. And she's like, um, he can't really come back with us. And I was like, no, I cannot go if Justin can't come with me. And she's like, okay, well, can you at least do one part by yourself? And I was like, what the uh, urine test? I know like how strict that is. And I was like, that's totally fine. I can 
pee by myself. <laughs> so we That's went good. back there. I know. Um, one thing I can do by myself. Um, we go back there and she, while we were back there alone, she made sure I was safe, which I didn't even realize why until later. But um, I told her, like, everything was fine. I just had really bad anxiety and fear of these situations. So she made it work so he could come back with me. And um, I kind of explained my situation and, like, how big and how debilitating this fear was. And she took the, I think it was the needle for the TB test and the flu shot, and she covered them up. She put a paper on top of them. She's like, we're not even going to look at that right now. We'll talk about that later. And she just let me talk about this fear for a long time. And we went through the rest of the physical and everything was fine. And then she's like, okay, so do you want to do the blood draw or the... um?" vaccine first and so she let me kind of talk my way through it she let me feel terrified mm -hmm. <laughs> but let me talk myself through it and validated it and validated mm -hmm. it said it's okay mm -hmm. and she let me she let me be in control of the situation but I decided that I'd rather get my blood drawn first and part of this is kind of what you were saying earlier, like, um, what do you need versus what you want? Mm -hmm. I did not want to be there at all, mm -hmm. but I wanted this job, and I also wanted to get past this fear because mm -hmm. it was such a huge burden. Like, it's all I could ever think about. And So you knew it would be a growing experience I knew it would be it. Mm -hmm. growing, and I knew it. I would be proud of myself, but I couldn't get past the fear so she just kind of like let me decide how I was going to do it and where I was going to sit like she made me decide every little thing are you going to sit or are you going to lay down are you going to put your feet up or hang them over the side do you want a washcloth do you want Justin standing next to you or behind you and do you want him holding your hand or do you want him by your shoulder she let me decide everything like, every little detail. She made sure I was comfortable, and then she did it, and then she did the same thing with the um, shot that I had to get. She told me that we wouldn't do the flu shot because um, it was just a few days away from, like, the end of flu season, so she's like, we'll just act like this didn't happen, and, like, it's... You won't have to worry about it till next year. So... um she had me get in the sit in the way that I wanted to, and she made sure Justin was listening to where I wanted him. And um, so I'm sitting there getting ready for it, and I was just terrified. And she's like, "Just think about it. You're going to be done in like 60 seconds." So then my brain goes to, "This is going to be in my arm for a whole 60 seconds." Oh wow. And that was terrifying to me. And then she, I don't remember if she like counted down or just stuck me, but then all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'm done. And I was like, that was like five seconds. That's <laughs> like, done. And all of a sudden I just started sobbing and she was like, I'm so sorry. I don't like to make people cry. And I could barely like get it out, but I was like, this isn't sad tears. This is 
happy tears. I'm proud of myself and how far I came and the fact that I was able to do this. And um, I tried to let her know that I appreciated the way she handled it. She wasn't like, this is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. it's a tiny little needle. You'll be fine. Right. She Kind of like your dad does. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, but she validated that I was feeling scared. She didn't tell me that it's ridiculous. I mean, they're not huge needles, but they are or were in my mind. And she just let me feel that way and helped me get to a get to where I need needed to be. Mm-hmm. And that was that situation changed my whole life, really. That was probably the biggest turning point in that journey, I guess. Right. And since then, how many times have you had your blood your blood drawn? I can't even count. <laughs> um, I think I tried to once, and it was like 21 times within six months. Wow. Yeah. So when you say it changed your life, it really did change your life. It really did change my life. I I was excited to get the COVID vaccine. Like, I was excited that I was able to go by myself mm-hmm. and, like, just do it. Whereas before... I would have been like crying to Justin that I right. had to do it or because it was required for your job anyways, right? Yeah. So I had a I had a thought and I'm trying to remember where I was going to go with it. So uh, um the question that I have as you were telling your story Cindy, um as a parent and and maybe this is where this the story is different. Um as a parent there've been situations with my kids where I know if Allison goes to Trek. She is going to have an amazing experience. And she was not Specific having it. Specific example. <laughs> that was random. That was just off the top of my head. And um, I was not uh, supportive maybe in the way that she wanted. I made sure that she got there and uh, made some enemies in the process. And maybe that's why she <laughs> has such kind feelings towards me. But... Um, what do you do when when you know as a parent or as a a close trusted friend i don't know leader may not necessarily fit that category but um you know this is going to be an amazing experience for that person i think about also one time i was uh with carissa we were at a family reunion and um out on the the river with my brothers and on their boats and the kids were skiing and wakeboarding and stuff like that. And and they asked Chris if she wanted to, to uh, wake surf. And I could see she was just really nervous about that. But I knew, I knew the end. I knew that if she went, got in the water, got up, I knew she would just be so thrilled with herself for having that new experience. But that, that terror that she felt, kept her from from taking the next step. So how do you, as a parent, let them set their boundaries knowing that there's a chance they're gonna miss out on something that that they may regret or that you think that they're that they may regret? Well, first you mentioned a leader and a parent. I think we have to distinguish between those. So as a leader, mm-hmm. you can't control them. Sorry, right. respect that boundary. You have no you can talk to them about it, you know, but I would absolutely make sure they know that you'll support them in their decision. Okay. Now, as a parent, I think it's a little bit different. And we've had this situation quite a few times with our kids. Um, 
And so we do a lot of talking about it mm -hmm. um, on whether there's this is a situation they like to grow on or not. Um, okay. One of them we do we have required Ashlyn a couple of times to try a sport, mm -hmm. and my deal was you go to one practice. That's all I'm asking you to do mm -hmm. is you go to one practice, and then I won't make you try any of it again. But I know a lot of times you like something after you try it once. So I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you to go to this one practice, but then after that is absolutely your decision. And she's done that for volleyball. And the, she came out of practice. She went in sobbing and she came out of practice and was like, mom, it was so much fun. I can't wait to go back tomorrow and loved it. And she, mm -hmm. now volleyball is her favorite sport. But then other ones, softball, she hated it. I was like running the bases with her. I had Taylor in the backpack and I'm like running the bases <laughs> with her. As she's crying because you didn't want to do it and so we're like no that's your choice if you want to do softball you don't have to do it that's your choice mm -hmm. um and so we've done little things like that where okay. but the other thing um is sometimes kids do well with incentives if you know it's going to be worth it mm -hmm. then you can talk about well what would help i really think this would be a good experience for you would it help if i we had this incentive at the end of the year or at the end of the week so mm -hmm. like you really wanted those new basketball shoes so what if you if you did this if you're willing to be brave and do this if i got you this basketball shoes on saturday when you guys came when you came back would that be a good incentive and i wouldn't mm -hmm. um i would make sure it's more of a discussion instead of a you know you have to go to get these shoes or right. you're never going to get you know more of a discussion would that help okay. you to grow um but it really depends on the kid i would think and knowing okay their situation but i would always even even when they're going when you're sending on something i would always make sure they have they can talk out with you beforehand different scenarios okay so what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens what, you know what are my backups what what can i do um and with a, a kid with a lot of anxiety a lot of my backups are most kids don't get phones to mm -hmm. go to girls camp Ashton always, I let her take a phone to girls camp. It wasn't like she was, <laughs> they don't have Wi-Fi anyway. It's not right. like she's sitting in her room. But then, you know, she was able to text me at night to say, mm -hmm. I'm doing well. I've loved, and she's loved every girls camp she's gone to mm -hmm. just for the rest. She's loved them once she's there. But that anxiety beforehand has not been fun. Um, But to know those backups of what they can do in certain situations. Okay. I know one girl in our ward, she's been allowed to take her um dog with her. Mm which I know that's not normal, but she, right. you know, for her, that was the agreement they made. And I think that's great for certain kids. They need different things. Um, so that's what I think. Okay. So um, a couple thoughts and I, I may, these may be my last things that I'm thinking about, but number one, you talked about respecting other people's boundaries, uh, respecting other people's boundaries. What is the difference between respecting other people's boundaries and, and um, enforcing your own boundary. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, for example, if, if well, we were kind of, maybe we were joking, as we were talking about just before we were recording, I asked Cindy if she wanted to come talk about boundaries, and Allison said, no, no, you're not going to talk about boundaries. I don't want you to. I'm not going to let it happen. And so... That's exactly how I saw it. <laughs> right. And so she was controlling you. So that wasn't a boundary. Okay. So, so she was controlling you. So a boundary has to be about her. She could have said, no, I'm not talking about boundaries. Okay. She can't control you. So she can only control herself. So a boundary, you have to be really careful with that. They don't turn it into control. Okay. So it has to be only about her. She could yeah. say, I'm 
not going to talk about mm-hmm. boundaries. I'm not going on your show. Sorry. Okay. You suck. I'm not. <laughs> Which she does say. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't have to say it that time. <laughs> but that sometimes is it an easy mm-hmm. switch. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. So you always that's manipulation. Mm-hmm. You always have to remember the intent to make sure it doesn't turn into controlling anybody else. It's okay. only about myself. So if somebody's trying to what they may think is enforce their boundaries, mm-hmm. which is really controlling Control me, somebody else. How do I how do I deal with that? Well, I think it depends on the situation um, and how close you are to that person and how it's affecting you. Okay, you know, if it's clearly affecting you, then like having a discussion about what a boundary is and how um, it is about controlling only yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that needs to be discussed more. Um, I had this discussion with my class just this year because we teach and teach and teach and teach in our culture about be kind, help each other, service, mm-hmm. help each other, help each other. Um, but then we don't teach that it's okay to say, no, I can't right now. Right. Um, and so I had that discussion with them just this year, my students, and I said, you know, if Allison asked me for help on this assignment because I was struggling with it, is it okay for her to say, no, I can't right now, I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, that's not okay. Like all of them right. thought that was not okay. And I was like, oh no, I have not taught them <laughs> about boundaries. So we, I was like, I have to remember to really explicitly teach this, that yeah. it's okay. You can say no. And I, we need to teach that it's like, I need to not be offended by her saying no sometimes. That's right. okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that she hates me. Yeah. It's just that right now she's trying to do her own work or she isn't in the right frame of mind at that moment to help somebody else or whatever the reason is. Right. She doesn't have to give a reason, but. Right. And that, I think that's important too, that it's not. Right. It's, I don't, you don't owe me an explanation on why right. you're saying no. Now that doesn't mean I can't ask follow-up questions or ask for details. I like the example that you used where the kid said he did not want to participate and the leader said, would it help you if, mm-hmm. and so he was giving options. Mm-hmm. But I like the leader also said, right. that's okay, you don't have to. Right. Would it help if, you know. And okay. so he's just kind of kind of feeling things out. Right, totally. Is, is this no a hard no, or is it a um, no, this is not okay the way that it stands right now, so let's change the situation. Right. So the last question, let's see if I can remember what I was thinking. Um, the last question is, for this idea, this mindset that we grew up with that you don't ask to be released, you don't say no to a calling, when something comes up that um, you it, – it may be appropriate for a release or for you to not accept a calling or something like that, how do you um, – can you reconcile those two that, that – and this is going to open up. Maybe we'll have another conversation next week about this whole, whole idea about, and we talked about it a week or two ago about uh, revelation. But um, how would you how would you answer that question? If let's just say you're in a calling and something's changed and it you're feeling like it's time for you to to move on, how would you deal with something like that? I actually did that about a year and a half ago. I can't remember when it was. Um, but I was young women's president and I just said, I just called in the bishopric member and I said, you know, I cannot do this calling to the best that these girls deserve mm-hmm. um, like I could before. So things have changed in my family life. I'm not doing well. 
And if I need to take care of me before I can take care of these young women, and it's only fair to them. Right. And so that's what I told them. And then six months later, they finally released me. So I think that's interesting. There's a, there's a, and I can't remember who said this, but uh, it may have been President Nelson that said, uh, well, just say, I'm sure he said it, that information uh, brings inspiration right. or it fosters inspiration. Right. And so a lot of times, I, there have been, when I was in the bishopric, there was a time that I went into a, a home. The purpose was to extend a calling. And as I met with them and got a better feel for what was going on with their, um, their home situation, I knew this is not the right calling right. it's not the right situation and so i think sharing that information with the bishopric may be uh, a great uh way to to make sure because then they have information right. hey there's something that's that's not fitting um the the overall need so, right and they were super understanding about that it was not you know that's great it was not a bad situation at all they were so, awesome about it maybe we'll have another conversation at some point about um behind the doors of the bishops <laughs> <laughs> the bishop meetings or something like that because there it's it can get really interesting to uh to be involved in some of those discussions but i think we've scratched the surface on a couple of things we may have more conversations about boundaries but um i love the idea that we have the the right to protect ourselves from absolutely feeling responsible to do everything whether it's ministry assignments or or whatever there have been times i remember as a new young men's president I had a situation at home that it was more important for me to be at home than it was for me to be at Mutual. And I have uh, counseled other people and various callings that I've had that um, you need to be where it's most important, whether that's at the church for the dance or at home for your family. So I think uh, boundaries is a great way to do that. So thanks for taking some time. You're here for a little bit more time, so we may have yep. another conversation. <laughs> Sounds good. Allison I love will probably talking. horn her way into that <laughs> conversation too. So, but thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas, and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs>